Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I'll tell you what, man, I've got my veto out. I'm, I'm sort of rolling it around in my hand. Finger hovering over the f- veto trigger. God, what's... The, but the thing is, like, I'm not reading ahead. If I veto this, we could get an even worse episode after. Mm, that's a good point. Oh, God, I just hate Troy's mom episodes. Yeah. I mean, like, they clearly know that she's annoying because every time she comes on after this, the, like, the characters, like, roll their eyes and try to make excuses to not be there or whatever. I'm Fuck the- it, man. I'm going to veto. Oh, really? I don't want it. You know- I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think, Adam, just because I'm a diabolical asshole, I'm going to nullify your veto. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that, that sucks. That means we're out of vetoes for the rest of the season. <laughs> and this this would be the season that you would want two vetoes. <laughs> oh, God. And now, the conclusion. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of guys who are still a bit embarrassed to have a podcast about Star Trek. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, and I am not just embarrassed right now. I'm actually angry because we shouldn't be doing this episode. Oh yeah, this is the ep that you attempted to veto, and I overrode your veto. I I burned myself. It was a Pyrrhic victory, because I, I burned myself to make you watch this one. Uh, yeah, and I burned in all kinds of ways uh, in the process. <laughs> yeah, I, I had fun watching this. I, I thought it was funnier than I remembered it being. This, uh, the episode we're talking about is Haven, the intro to Counselor Troy's mother, Waxana Troy. I think I took the most notes on this episode than any of them. There was a ton to digest. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. <laughs> Should we just get right into it? Uh, if we have to. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. The episode starts out with the Enterprise arriving at a planet called Haven, where Counselor Troy has been summoned by her mother, Loxana, and. The episode begins with Riker in his room enjoying some <laughs> holographic harp babes playing some harp music. Sorry, ladies. Duty calls. Uh, Did you notice that they're mini babes, though? They're like yeah. desktop babes. Yeah, yeah. Like 24-inch babes. They also clearly want to fuck him. Yeah, they're definitely making real like bedroom eyes at him. And he is looking very blissed out watching this pretty mediocre... <laughs> Not especially noteworthy harp playing. And he gets called away to the transporter room, and in the transporter room, a Mardi Gras head gets beamed <laughs> into the... <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. weird, because Yar is like, is like, there's some object getting beamed up from the surface, and they're like, all right, well, we don't know anything about it or what it is, but... Go ahead and allow it to be on the ship, and then it's this... More great enterprise security protocols uh, in action. Right. Come on, Yar. Get it together. And they beam up Jombie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's totally Jombie. Uh, it's, like it's like a weird silver box with a silver face on it, and 
it's like an inert silver face, but then they cut away and they cut back and it's a man's <laughs> face like in rubber. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho. Happily announcing the impending marriage uh, that's to take place. And then he, he like goes goes back to being dormant and pops open and a bunch of the kinds of beads that you get for showing your boobs at Mardi Gras pop out. Yeah, and Tasha Yar seems really stoked on those beads for a future that doesn't have an economy that we yeah. recognize that, that doesn't give any sort of worth to the idea of jewels. She is... And for jewels that are very explicitly made out of cheap plastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is pumped. <laughs> <laughs> so we come to find out that Troy has uh, had a, a previously prearranged marriage to a human doctor named Wyatt Miller. Isn't Wyatt Miller the name of one of the kids in Weird Science? Am I wrong about that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know that movie as well as I probably should, given this right. nerdy podcast. Um, his parents uh, tracked down her mother to enforce this arranged marriage which is like so you know that we can talk about that the idea that a an advanced spacefaring culture that's achieved membership in the federation would still bind its citizens to something as horrible sounding to me as an arranged marriage but maybe that's just my own cultural bias i don't know yeah uh you do sound very biased and privileged actually (laughs) i gotta check both of those things yeah Check those in Mr. Hom's giant suitcase that he beams <laughs> up with. Yeah. It is weird that he's a human, though, right? Like, that they're part of this tradition, as, I mean, as much as, as she is. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's weird because you would assume in Betazoid culture that, like, the arrangement would be uh, with another Betazoid. Yeah. And so, if you're not going to be Betazoid, you're going to be Riker. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, so Betazoids are a, a species that can, uh, you, they they have telepathic powers, and Troys are somewhat limited because she's only half Betazoid. But uh, after after Wyatt and his crazy parents beam up and kind of are shooed out of the uh, transporter room, Loxana Troy and her manservant Mister Hom beam up, and she starts talking to. Deanna Troy in mind speak. So, so there's a lot of extended scenes where Loxana will be looking suggestively at somebody and beaming her thoughts into their head. And yeah. uh, <laughs> a lot of scenes where people are just making faces at each other. <laughs> yeah, and they do this this uh, like the kind of echoey sound effect on on all that all those voices that they would do in like a full house episode when a character was thinking something to themselves so mr hum is also uh you might recognize him as lurch from the adams family yeah i guess he's probably painted the same gray as he is adams family actually oh yeah that's interesting maybe he just like walked over from the uh other side of the studio lot it could be canonical Adams family also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This guy is so tall. He's like unless everybody that is in the main cast is super short, he's just like one of these crazy people that you can't even believe is exists. He's so tall. He's so tall that when 
he beams up. Uh, he's beamed up sitting on the big suitcase. Yeah. Because because when he stands up to full height, his head uh, rocks the ceiling of <laughs> the transporter. Yeah. So he's a pretty silent dude. He doesn't do a lot of talking. Uh, Loxana beams up and immediately ropes Captain Picard into carrying her luggage, which we f- hilariously find out is super duper heavy. <laughs> you know, anytime you get to make a joke about a woman's uh, size or quantity of luggage, you just have to do it, right? <laughs> it's one of the bylaws of Hollywood. God, women, as as yeah. Wesley said in yeah. the last episode. <laughs> She has a princess in Spaceballs level luggage issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Riker is pretty, is pretty upset for most of this episode. There's a, pretty, there's a pretty epic scene where they're kind of discussing what's about to go down in the captain's ready room, and the captain walks out, leaving Troy and Riker in there, and Riker just, like, walks over to a wall and puts an arm against it and just puts a real lean into it. <laughs> it's... <laughs> He just just really puts a mopey pose on. <laughs> like uh, elbow fully locked, ass fully like shoved out, like yeah. completely dramatic. It's like, dude, you have slept with this woman. You know she can read your thoughts. You don't need to use the most explicit body language available to you to, to transmit what you're feeling about this. Also, dude had his chance. Dude had many chances. Yep. What's he so pissed off about? Yeah, he's kind of uh, weird and possessive, given the fact that they are not officially together. I think the part that's worse than the idea of of him missing out on on being with Troy forever might be that his replacement is Wyatt, (laughs) who is like peak 80s. Yeah. He is incredibly 80s looking. I was going to save this to the end, but I think I might just inject it now to see if we can kind of call out these moments as, as they go. Uh, I feel like all of the styling when it comes to Wyatt and the aliens that we meet eventually in this episode has a lot to do with the music video for the AHA song. Yes, uh. yes. I also wrote that down. <laughs> uh, take, the Take On Me universe. Uh, yeah. this, may, this may be taking place in the Take On Me universe. This is canonical uh. Take On Me. <laughs> Um, so up on the bridge, uh, we find out that there is an unmarked vessel approaching Haven, and the lady that runs the planet down below radios up to say that it's going to be on the Enterprise to run interference on this vessel should its intentions turn hostile. And they keep trying to reach out to this to this ship and are unsuccessful. Meanwhile, uh, Troy is getting to know her future husband a little bit better and it turns out that he was real real surprised to meet her because he was convinced that it was going to be this woman of his dreams he's been dreaming about this babelicious 80s blonde lady for his entire life and drawing take on me music video style pencil sketches of her his entire life Troy seems really cool with it, though. Like, if you were to tell your potential wife, you're great and everything, but God, what I'm dreaming about actually is <laughs> Kelly Lynch from Roadhouse. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to go over well. And Troy's like, oh, I understand, but maybe, you know, in time, we'll, we'll love each other. Yeah, which is like, at its best, how arranged marriages work, 
but yeah. it's got to be a tough pill to swallow that like <laughs> basically the main thing that your future husband wants to talk about at all <laughs> is is a bootylicious Southern California beach babe crush. Yeah, uh, she's straight out of the uh, Hot for Teacher Van Halen video. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he drops this bomb on Troy and, and they manage to get past it. So Wyatt very dramatically like picks up all the glamour shots pictures that he's drawn and displayed on his table yeah. and then like hugs them close to his body and walks away. I don't think that's over. Yeah, he's still still holding a candle to this imaginary person. So as this ship comes closer, it's traveling at sublight speed. So they have like hours and hours and hours of notice um, before it gets to the planet. They finally get it up on on long range monitor, and it's they identify it as a Terrellian ship. And they couldn't just stick Jordy in one of the front cabins <laughs> to see this one coming. They had to wait. That's a good point. Yeah. We could have just gone down to 10 forward and stared out the window. Yeah, the Torellians are a species that, uh, you know, there were t- two factions and they went to war and one of them used a biological weapon on the others and they wiped themselves out more or less and there were refugees trying to travel around and... And it was just kind of a kind of a real shit show for their species because, you know, people didn't want to receive the refugees because they had this engineered super virus uh, that would kill them. So a lot of a lot of refugee ships got destroyed and, you know, ones that didn't get destroyed wound up having everybody on board die of the virus. So this is probably, as far as anybody can tell, the last members of the Torellian race. And the planet's super freaked out because they don't want to get the virus. Right, and and this ship is still not responding to any hails, and the planet radios up to say, like, if this thing gets within transporter range, we're basically all fucked down here, so you need to step it up and do something, Enterprise. They're a little bit busy with the rehearsal dinner right now. Right, there is an extended scene in, <laughs> in this episode <laughs> uh, where the... Parents of Wyatt and Waxana Troy like stand around a buffet table bickering about what species traditions will be observed in this wedding, and then a and then that transitions into a dinner scene where people are bickering and and squabbling about all the different issues that arise surrounding two families coming together. All the while, Mister Ham is in the background downing drinks by the bucket full and hitting a <laughs> gong every time every time he finishes one he is totally raging yeah he he's uh he's in it to win it and data is standing right next to him just like gleefully watching all of the bullshit transpire uh you know you can tell that from an anthropological standpoint this is as good as it gets for data <laughs> in fact at one point troy like gets completely pissed off and and runs out of the room yelling that everybody needs to stop the uh, petty squabbling and data leans in and says please continue the petty petty squabbling i find it fascinating Riker bolts just before that though speaking of being petty 
petty and pouty. He's being a huge baby about the whole thing. Yeah. Like, he does that thing where he lifts a fork up to his mouth and then, like, sets it back down. He just can't even be bothered to to eat he's so distraught yeah he's reacting to this the same way i i would react to the uh episodes of fear factor where somebody would have to eat like a bull penis on camera (laughs) oddly enough Riker does not have an appetite for the bull penis and instead uh asks to be excused and goes to uh the one refuge that he has left the holodeck Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Yeah, and he files, uh, fires up a surprisingly non-pornographic holodeck program. Uh, it's just a rock in a in a <laughs> desert planet where he's sitting and pouting to himself. And uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, they block the scene. Riker's on the rock, staring at a tree, not doing anything. <laughs> and Troy enters from screen right as if, like, she hasn't even knocked. She yeah. just walks into frame. That is a pretty big roll of the dice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, agreed. I mean, if, yeah. unless you're unless you're wearing a head to toe raincoat. Yeah, one of those hazmat suits. They were an outbreak. Yeah, she really took a lot of things into her own hands at that moment. Let's let's be honest. Troy has had every fluid on her that Riker can produce. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All manner of Riker fluids and then all virtual fluids uh, <laughs> yeah. as produced on that holodeck program. You know, it might look really benign to us, but I think if you turn over that rock that Riker is, is sitting on, it's probably one of those pieces of sex furniture, like, <laughs> like that wedge-shaped sex furniture. And there's some handcuffs like buried under the tree, like very thinly disguised S&M accoutrement in this scene. Yeah. You know what I what else I realized is that it's probably just the same exact set that Q had them facing the yeah. animal things, but just with a different color psych rolled in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what it looked like completely. Or gel, different gels on the lights anyways. Yeah. So Troy walks in and, and uh, is trying to tell Riker, you know, I still want you to be a part of my life. I got to go through with this. And Riker is like, whatever. Whatever, and then leaves because Wyatt has walked in. Right. Also without knocking. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, you would hope that somebody would, like, throw themselves across the front door of the holodeck if they know that Troy and, and Riker are, are, are in there together. It's sort of like college dorm rules. Yeah. If you go up to the holodeck and there is uh, a sock on... <laughs> one of Riker's gym socks. <laughs> yeah, one of Riker's gym socks on the, on the door handle, then uh, come back later. Yeah. Uh, same thing for Worf, but for different reasons, you know? You don't want to open that door and have a batleth fly at your head. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a pile of gawk on the doorway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smeared right <laughs> right on that door. So Wyatt walks in, and Wyatt and Troy have their first kiss, which is real innocent. Like, they they barely touch at all. Yeah. You can you can tell that Wyatt, is, his, his heart really isn't in it, you know? Yeah. He's he's trying to be game for this, but he's pining away for this hair metal lady. And if Troy can read his mind, what are you doing, Deanna? Yeah. She knows what's up. Yeah. I think she can see the end game. There is a funny moment in um in the rehearsal dinner scene where, where Wyatt first meets Riker and he says, Oh, you're the one who wants to be a starship captain. Yes, I've heard that bonding or marriage would complicate things in that case. To each his own. Good luck with that ambition. 
Right. <laughs> and Riker looks at Troy like, like, don't tell people that. <laughs> like, sort of, sort of the same way I look at my wife when she tells people in public that I have a Star Trek podcast. That is exactly right. Here's the piece of shameful trivia I know about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Wyatt and Troy kiss, it, it does wind up being a very chaste kiss, but based on the way the camera angle is set up, it looks like he's going for a boob for, like, the first yes. half, half second of it. And I got... <laughs> I was like on the edge of the sofa when I saw that about to happen. Like it's, he goes as close to going for a boob as it's possible to go on TV without the sensors flipping out. I think. You know, on the Super Bowl, how they can stop a play and just sort of bullet time the camera around from a different angle. <laughs> they have that technology on the Enterprise too, as we'll come to find. If you're able to like forensically move the camera around to see how much room is between his hand. And Troy's boob, I think it is microscopic. Like, there's, it looks like there's a graze at least. Yeah. I mean, I think she's into him, you know? I think she'd be okay with that. I don't know. I feel like that's an actor taking liberties, and it's wrong. <laughs> All right. Damok Angelad at Tanaga. Uh, so this ship shows up in orbit. It's still not responding to hails, and the Enterprise throws a tractor beam on it, which uh, disables the Turalian ship's ability to use their transporters as well. And uh, knowing that the plight of the Turalians, Wyatt, who is a medical doctor, has been collaborating with the ship's doctor the whole time on a set of medical supplies that they will beam over to the Turalians when when they arrive as a sort of humanitarian gesture. But when they engage this tractor beam, the Turalians appear on screen in a video effect that can only be described as stealing porn off cable in the 80s. (laughs) Uh, And it is revealed that Wyatt's dream woman is on the bridge of the Turalian ship. So he's pretty taken with this, and he tells uh, Dr. Crusher that he's going to go transport the supplies, but he uses a hypospray to disable the weird transporter chief guy. And yeah, he has a strangely deep voice. The surface station approval coming in now, Lieutenant. All right. <laughs> he does. He doesn't look like his voice, you know? Yeah, he kind of looks like some weird guy that you would meet in the dorm room of your college or something. And and then and then he opens his voice and he sounds like he could be like, uh, you know, backup vocals in a barbershop quartet. Or something. Yeah, he's like the bass guy in Boys to Men. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't look like he'd have a voice that deep. <laughs> so uh, he, he beams himself over thus exposing himself to the Torellian virus, which means that he can never beam back. And Wyatt's parents flip out and demand that Picard bring him back, but Picard is like, there's nothing I can do. And uh, it turns out that this Torellian fox is has been dreaming about Wyatt the entire time also. She's 80s foxy, right? Yeah. So she's got permanently wet-looking, crimped hair. She's got kind of a tube-top type of deal on with a very, like, a lot of muscle tone in, in her abs and arms. Yeah, does a lot of sit-ups for sure. Yeah. The uh, the outfits that the women on, on this ship wear is sort of the slutty version of what a... Uh, uniform at a Mexican family cantina style restaurant might be 
for women. Did you find the relationship between Wyatt's dream girl and Wyatt's dream girl's dad a little bit weird? He seemed really affectionate to her, sort of like in a creepy way, the way Rick Bayless is creepily affectionate to uh, his daughter (laughs) on a series of cooking shows. He totally Baylisses her. Uh, You know, I didn't make the Bayless connection, but now that you bring it up, uh, that's a thousand percent there for me. Yeah. Yeah, where you're like, uh, you know, I'm down with a a father and a daughter being affectionate, but... This is not the kind of affection that you put out there in the public for the world to see. In their first communication with the Enterprise, the dad's like, hey, we're we're the last of the Torellians. There's only eight of us, and this is my daughter. And he puts his arm around her, and there's like two full beats of just (laughs) dad hugging daughter. I don't know. I think he's got some more competition over there. (laughs) Gross. Um, But yeah, it turns out uh, good for Wyatt. She's been dreaming about him the entire time also, although unclear where th- whether Torellians have some kind of telepathic ability or not. I don't know. Did she draw all those take on me pictures? Like when uh, when Wyatt beams over, there's like a right. hall of Franklin Mint plates where like pictures of him through the years have been drawn, like from a little kid all the way up until peak 80s hair, Wyatt. It's just a shame that there wasn't a picture of him holding up a pipe wrench. <laughs> like the end of the Take On Me video. <laughs> oh, man. That is some collectible merch that I wish I had a chance to buy. Like, one of those Take On Me pictures would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be... Some fan out there has that, and I am really envious. Yeah. Throw that up on eBay and give us a heads up. I am the cutest of all. That's sort of the end of the episode. The uh, the Torellians promise not to attempt to beam down to the planet. Um, and Wyatt says that he's going to use his skills of a medical doctor to attempt to cure the Torellians of their of their virus. And the uh, and so Picard orders the tractor beam to be dropped and, uh, and the Torellians head out. Uh, they just sort of putt away yeah. at the slowest possible speed. Yeah, they don't get any help with their uh, with their warp engines, I guess. So what's the deal? Like, are they just going to repopulate themselves on board that ship? I don't understand really what the end game is. It's unclear whether or not Wyatt can cure them. I've read a lot of science fiction that I believe has some some good basis in actual scientific research, and I suspect that eight people now nine is not really enough to <laughs> repopulate a species safely with. Uh, you know, you just don't have a deep enough gene pool to avoid congenital issues. Well, clearly, watching the attraction between father and daughter, I mean, <laughs> ugh, they've yeah. been cooped up on that ship a long time. Right. Also, like, they've been traveling for years, so what is this virus and how deadly is it? It doesn't seem that deadly, to be honest. Everyone seems in pretty good health. They're not, like... S- sick they're just like doing sex poses the entire time the inside of their ship looks like an 80s video arcade did you notice that it looks like if you put the tech take on me video in in (laughs) in technicolor you know like all of those drawings could be inside that ship we've seen a lot of 80s stuff happen in the series up until now this might be the peak 80s episode of the ones that we've seen yeah of the ones that we've seen. I can think of some stuff coming up that's pretty 
pretty outrageous, but... Uh, oh, good. And we have to watch them because we have no more vetoes. <laughs> well, for this season. Well, we have like 40 more episodes until we get to season two. <laughs> I'm in hell right now. This is not the worst Loxana Troy episode. Sure. I'm ready to believe that. I mean, she's like Q, right? She shows up about once a season. And uh, she she makes some flip comments about Picard wanting to do stuff to her. She makes some comments about Wyatt's dad wanting to mess around with her. She's got this idea that uh, that people are really attracted to her big time, but she doesn't crawl into Riker's head at all. I think that's because Troy set up a rule about that. What do you think? That's plausible to me. Like yeah. off limits. You cannot get into that guy's head. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, we don't really know like what all went down between Riker and Troy before they were both stationed on the Enterprise. But it seems like possible that Loxana would have met Riker at some point. Yeah, but the one thing you don't want to see if you're a mother is like an anything-goes relationship that your daughter's involved in, like in <laughs> stunning detail. Yeah. Loxana's a full telepath, so she probably knows some of the shit that's going through Riker's head. Maybe she's just scared of him. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? <laughs> On a slightly more serious note, I do think that this episode has like a like one thing that I think is actually not totally unsophisticated, which is its treatment of Troy and her mother's conversations surrounding tradition and the wedding. Like I think that the women I've known that have gotten married have all like to a greater or lesser extent felt like there were cultural obligations, traditional obligations that they needed to fulfill to kind of keep their mothers happy. And that's like a really interesting tension that I, I don't, I don't know that there's that many like sci- sci-fi shows that will make something like that be the centerpiece of conflict in an episode. So I thought that that was cool. Like I, I think that anybody that's ever, you know, tried to deal with, like what kind of a wedding they're going to have and how traditional is it going to be uh, can can kind of relate to. And, and I thought that was kind of cool. Not to be media bringing up media, but I just saw a documentary called Meet the Patels. Have you seen that? I've heard good things. Yeah, it's really good. And I would recommend it uh, to anyone. But it is about the idea of arranged marriage versus quote unquote regular old marriage. And... I think uh, the conflicts that ki- kids have with their parents regarding that is is just sort of a fascinating dynamic. And you do get some of that in this episode. And it is, as you say, the best part of it. It's the most uh, real feeling. It's it's hard to wrap your head around it being an issue in the 24th century. But I guess that's just because I come from a culture that doesn't even consider that as a possibility so i thought it was weird just how accepting everyone was at the idea i mean save for Riker, but picard's like all right see you later like uh, <laughs> congratulations or whatever yeah. like especially picard yeah like, it looks like troy is going to not be a member of the crew after this episode if this wedding pops off and uh and she has the look of someone who is ready to cry like right. in the next moment and picard is sort of oblivious to that idea it's not really his place to be, uh, you know, comforting her if she feels obliged to do this. I think he's he's clearly still in a state of comforting Tasha Yar. Yeah, Tasha Yar does uh, does her hair up for the for the <laughs> celebration meal, and uh, I was hoping you'd bring this up. It might be the greatest thing that's ever happened to Tasha Yar's hair. <laughs> it's basically like she has a pretty short haircut, and she goes she goes f- as big as she possibly can with this hair, and. Uh, 
It's delightful. You know when you drive by like any major city has like ten thousand nail salons in it, and there's yeah. the there's the sort of take on me style painting of a woman, just a yeah. random woman, and then the word nails underneath. <laughs> yeah, that's what Yara looks like, and that's the only thing that she changed about herself for this formal dinner. Amazing. That's the only thing I think anyone changed about themselves for this dinner. I mean, she got so much volume out of her pretty short haircut, though. Fucking super impressive. Yeah. Good job by her. Good job. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Who's your drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! <laughs> I think it's pretty definitively Mr. Hom, the manservant to Loxana Troy. He's super duper drunk. He doesn't say anything throughout the episode. And then as they're preparing to beam off the ship, he turns to Captain Picard and says, Thank you for the drinks. And uh, it's a big... It's a big surprise that Mr. Hom can speak at all, because he hasn't said anything to anyone. Yeah, that was our cute ending to the episode. <laughs> uh, I agree. I think this is the first time we've had a tie. It is. It could be no one else besides Mr. Hom. A tie? Uh, it's not a competition, Adam. Well, it's the first time that we nominated the same person in the same episode. Yeah. That's what I mean. I think that we should just say for anybody uh, new to the show, which uh, I imagine is most of you, because anybody that's listened to one episode has probably turned it off and discussed. One and done. Drunk Shimoda is our uh, is our, our running assessment of who the most ridiculous character in a given episode is. And if you want an explanation of that, go back to episode two, Drunk Shimoda. Right. Uh, that is also the episode where I mispronounce his name as Shinoda about 10 times. So, <laughs> that's some fun trivia. That's yeah. some behind the podcast for you. Oh, yeah. Really breaking down that fourth pod wall. <laughs> uh, well, what do we have up next, Ben? Uh, so the next episode is called The Big Goodbye. When holodecks malfunction, the captain and three crew members become trapped in San Francisco 1941, where they're held hostage by murderous gangsters. So this is the first... I think Captain Picard goes back to this uh, San Francisco private eye character. It's like a kind of a hard-boiled detective story that he likes to vacate in. And uh, surprise, surprise, the holodecks malfunction. (laughs) Interesting bit of reception to this episode is that it was nominated for two Emmys and actually won a Peabody. I didn't, I mean, I don't know what the Peabody Award is for. I'm imagining it's for uh, achievement in cheesy television. (laughs) Uh, Because the reason I say that is because I just remember any episode where they dress up, you know, in period costume as being just sort of unintentionally cringy. I don't remember too much about this one, but I'm excited to watch it. And we don't have a choice, because we don't have any vetoes left. Thanks for that, Ben. Just uh, out of curiosity, would you have attempted to invoke a veto? Yes. You would have? Yeah. Really? No doubt. Wow. Are you just going to say that every time I ask for the rest of the season? Would you have attempted to reverse my veto? Uh, it, it's pretty fun, I've learned, to reverse your veto, so maybe yes. Thanks for that. That's about all the time we have for this episode, anyway. As always, I've been Adam Pranica, and I have been embarrassed. I've been Ben Harrison, and I, I too, have felt sincere shame. (laughs) See you next time.